Hello, Human Resources. This is Ty. How may I direct your call? Oh, Ty, thank goodness. You are a real person, aren't you? <laughs> Last time I checked, love. <laughs> now, what can I do for you? Oh, great. Look, it's just that I've spent 40 minutes bouncing around your phone queue. I just need some help with my application for the role that you have advertised. Well, all the information's online, love, and fair is fair. Yeah, that's the thing, though. I just need some assistance to apply. Like, I, I'm super qualified for the job, but I can't access the online application fully because of my eyesight. <laughs> well, pop your specs on, love, because I can't give you any more assistance than every other applicant now, can I? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not that. It's just that I'd like to know what other accessibility options you might have. Do you have an audio job description available? Or could someone talk me through it, maybe? Love, love, love. As I said, fair is fair. There's rules, you know. Everyone's getting the same opportunities here. Best of luck now. Hello, Human Resources. This is Ty. How may I direct your call? Everyone wants the chance to be treated fairly when applying for a job, but that doesn't always mean getting equal or the same treatment. Our somewhat unhelpful call centre friend Ty seems to think employees should all be treated the same way. But of course, we're not all coming from the same baseline. I'm Ray Johnston. And this is Getting It Right, a podcast from Jobs Bank that helps you become a whiz at buying and hiring with purpose. This podcast is full of practical tips on how to develop a more dynamic and diverse workforce and how to design fair hiring processes. Look at people on their criteria rather than as full individuals. So you go criteria one and then you look at candidate A, candidate B, candidate C. That forces you to break up the full person and to stop focusing on things about them that might attribute to more biased outcomes. Lisa Anise is the CEO of Diversity Council Australia and quite literally wrote the book on inclusive recruitment in the workplace. Their report details how companies can tap into overlooked talent and maps out what are the practical steps you can take to create a more inclusive hiring process. Lisa, could you break down the common misunderstanding that the best way to be inclusive is just to treat everyone the same way? Why is the same treatment not necessarily always fair? It's a great question and it's often misunderstood. And I mean, the reason is that because people are all different and they all have different needs and requirements. And so if your objective is to create equity, equality of opportunity, or a fair go for everyone, sometimes it means you have to do things a little bit differently for different individuals. I mean, it's a concept that parents intuitively understand if you have more than one child. If you want to give them fair treatment and you want to be able to provide them with the same opportunity, you have to sometimes parent children differently and take into consideration their unique needs and potentially support requirements that they have. And it's the same concept. So if you treat everyone exactly the same, you end up with inequality. 
If we were to zoom out and take a bigger picture look at an organisation, what's the first step that companies should take when it comes to fair and inclusive hiring? It all starts with thinking about the job that you're trying to fill. And often people look to simply replace the person that was there before, especially if they were, you know, a high-performing individual. And so people automatically start thinking about who will do the job rather than what do we need the job to do. So thoughtfulness around what exactly are the inherent requirements of the role and working to develop some kind of job description that doesn't actually lead us to think of any individual, but just thinking of the functional requirements of the role. That's always the first place to start. I often hear people talk about who they want first rather than what they want. So to try and resist that and to stay open all starts with how you design the job in the first place. Organisations are usually in a hurry to fill a vacant role, but how important is it to slow down if you're genuinely looking to be fair? So just as an example of what that might look like, I mean, a lot of organisations use AI tools, artificial intelligence tools to help them with decision making. Those tools can really assist with shortcutting, but what if those tools What if the machine learning that has been used to create the intelligence has been based on past decisions that have been biased against certain groups of people? Now, I'm not saying that every single AI tool is guilty of that, but many are. And so if what you're looking for is a workforce of the future that is more inclusive than what we had in the past, you have to be very vigilant about the kinds of tools you picked. So when we've slowed down, what practical steps do we need to be taking then to incorporate into hiring processes to address job seekers being locked out? How do we make sure that we are inviting people in? So this is a really big question because there's no one step. The process of recruitment is a really complex series of events that start with identifying a job, going to market with a job description. Different individuals and organisations will have all sorts of processes for, you know, where they place job ads, how they write job ads. What are the expectations of the process for applying? And, I mean, that's very varied. I mean, I've seen some very onerous requirements that employers have that create unnecessary barriers to employment But then it's also about the people who are doing the recruiting. It's what are their skills? What are their mindsets? How open are they to thinking about things in a way without judgment? Then how do you assess candidates? And who's doing the assessing? And then how does the final decision get made? And it's it's also about the capability and the openness and the skill set of the people who are involved. What thought needs to go into who's on the job hiring panel itself? So, for example, if you really want to be successful in creating a more gender-balanced organisation, you'll have gender-balanced recruiters. If you are 
really serious about disability recruitment, you will have people with disabilities involved in the process. They will help design questions. They will help write the job criteria because they will see things that if you don't have a disability, you won't see. This is really complex and it requires a commitment to analyze and improve on multiple aspects in the process because they all, you know, they build on each other. You know, the job description at the very beginning might exclude people who don't read themselves into it. You might just advertise on seek.com. Well, there's lots of places you can advertise which are more trusted sources in First Nations communities and disability spaces. You know, I've seen some organisations do things like job trials instead of interviews. That's much better. It means that you get a proper assessment of an individual, but it also means that a person's able to show you what they can do rather than who they are. What about assessing candidates as soon as individual interviews are done? Are there any issues to watch out for there? We have this desire once we've finished an interview with someone to fully assess them. And that process of judging someone as a full individual is very prone to bias. And so you'll be assessing not just their responses to the questions, but your brain will be sizing them up on all the irrelevant characteristics like their skin tone, their other aspects of their phenotype, how they're dressed, how they are physically presented, their introversion, their extroversion, and you will rank them based on irrelevant attributes, more favorably or less favorably, and that will factor into your assessment of them. So a simple way to disrupt that would be you complete all your interviews then you sit down with a panel and you look at people on their criteria rather than as full individuals. So you go criteria one, and then you look at candidate A, candidate B, candidate C. That forces you to break up the full person and to stop focusing on things about them that might attribute to more biased outcomes. I'd like to talk for a moment about identified positions. I've heard some people say that they're not fair. Are they fair? So an identified position is when an organisation will create a position and have criteria that this position is for, for example, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples or people with disabilities or women. We have traditionally had groups that have been excluded from and still are excluded from the labour market or from full participation in the labour market. What a waste of potential and talent for the Australian economy. So an identified position is an important method to try and remove or address those historical barriers and the things that lock people out. And it's successful in getting people who are usually overlooked to getting them access. They're also important in the instance where, you know, say, for example, there's a a healthcare role where that person will be providing care to people that are in their own communities and it helps create a safe environment for the people who will be approaching them. Or, you know, my own work at NITV, which is an Indigenous broadcaster, we have Indigenous journalists because we have access to the communities to be able to tell those stories that 
people that are not of our background simply wouldn't have. So sometimes they're just important to be able to get the job done, right? Well, in those cases, the targeting of a particular identity is a critical part of the job criteria because it the job criteria necessitates particular skills or attributes that can only be brought by people who have had a particular lived experience. If you want to know more about the Inclusive Recruitment at Work report Jobsbank produced with Diversity Council Australia, head to DCA's website. Or you can visit the Jobsbank Resource Centre, which you can access at jobsbank.org.au. There's plenty of practical guides and tips on there, whether you're a big company, small business, government department, or a not-for-profit. I'm Ray Johnston, and Getting It Right is a podcast from Jobsbank. It's produced by Deadset Studios. This episode was recorded on the unceded lands of the sovereign Darug, Gundungurra, Wiradjuri and Gadigal peoples, produced and edited on the lands of the Turrbal and Jagera people. We wish to pay our deepest respects to their elders past and present, and we ask that you too acknowledge the Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander lands that you're listening from.